Hello! My name is Joe Hogan, and many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 170 of Geekitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. And I'm trying very hard not to laugh right now. I can hear that. Because, because Ray and I, of course, did what we always do. Instead of just jumping right in, we started talking beforehand. <laughs> and we just tickled ourselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> laughter through pain. Um <laughs> How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good. You'd think after 170 episodes, we'd know to just start hitting record as soon as we jump on. Right. But there's always that, I think, fear that we're going to say something that's not that's appropriate true. for publication. And so that's then we can true. repeat it in a cleaned up version for the masses. Sometimes I forget that this is not live. Right. <laughs> this is not live podcasting. It is. It is. It is. Uh, it involves a heavy editing process. <laughs> I don't know about heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Personal editing process, yes. <laughs> Probably not. Oh, if you folks could hear some of the rants that me and Joe go and get into before we hit record sometimes. It's it's a little bit like if you if you were around for State of the Geek with me and Kelly, it's very much that uncensored. Mm. I'm just done with all of the bureaucracy BS. <laughs> and and we, yet we make it geeky somehow, right? It yes. always comes back. Because <laughs> well, I, I, more and more, I'm just like, geek is life. Like yeah. these stories, and we're going to talk about it today. These stories are just metaphors for life. And yeah. so that's why you can always go back to them and, and be like, well, they said it best because it's right there. I am super excited about today's episode. Um, but first, how, how have you been, Joe? I've been good. I've been good. Um, I made it through full my first full week at my new school. Um, I'm still exhausted, and the idea of starting again tomorrow is traumatic. <laughs> oh. But um, you know, every day had successes and failures, and hopefully, as we go, there will be more successes than failures. And yeah. it keeps flip flopping. It's not like I'm constantly succeeding with one class and then not succeeding with another. It's like. I feel like it's either or <laughs> either I'm on my game for the acting kids or I'm on my game for the, for the tech kids. There's, there's no in between. Right. Right. Um, let me ask you this. How does mm -hmm. the camera on to camera off ratio go? Uh, it's still very, very low, but, um, and that, and that's part of the problem we're doing. Uh, the, the acting kids are doing um, pantomime, which you, you kind of need the camera on to do yeah. and they just won't do it. So that makes it very hard for me to give them any sort of feedback or a grade. Uh, have you asked them to choose some kind of profile photo or something for when the camera's off? So at least you can put a name to the face. Um, no, I've been trying to encourage. I mean, I have gotten them to turn them on and I, it was better, but they don't stay on. Got it. Um, and then with the, the, Stagecraft kids, I actually gave them a project to work on, and that's what they're going to work on this week. Because I, I went to a, a theater teacher group on Facebook and was like, I'm just venting, but any insight you guys would have, this would be wonderful. I'm exhausted. I don't know how I'm going to keep doing this for, you know, six months. I don't know. I don't know what to do. And they were like, stop lecturing and start giving them projects so that they can work on stuff and that you don't have to be monologuing to them for the entire time. So I'm trying yeah. to work on that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do that, but, and I'm trying to, to use my old, my old location as a example of letting go of the control and just letting them do it. And if they do it, great. If they don't, we try something else. 
Yeah, I've I've heard of teachers doing that as well, where they're, um, first of all, as far as, you know, showing their faces, a teacher friend of mine really encouraged her students to come up with their avatars, like create some kind of bitmoji or, you know, just have fun with it, you know, like maybe pick a photo that they like of themselves and do something artistic to it with filters or whatever before they post it. And I think that kind of at least got students moving in the right direction in terms of like showing their face, you know, mm-hmm. um, it does seem like there's a lot of solace being found these days in just having the camera off. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm experiencing that as well in my job. I'm giving virtual, I'm providing virtual tours, right? So part of my admissions counselor, you know, um, duties uh, normally would be to give campus tours. We all sort of rotate giving tours mm-hmm. and uh, it's a big part of the job. It's a big part of selling the school. And so now we're giving virtual tours and I gave maybe like four virtual tours last week, which is like a lot for one week. And um, I don't think I saw a person's face once. So now I'm just speaking about the school to like this blank screen. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way to, there's no way to gauge if they're engaged or if they're, it's so hard. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I also had a student reach out uh, who, who just got accepted to the college and he's going to be starting this fall semester. And he asked, um, you know, are classes online? Are they on campus? Is it a hybrid? And I explained, we just, you know, made the decision to go fully online, but we do have certain campus uh, uh, services available. You know, if you want to use a studio or use a computer or whatever, just got to sign up ahead of time to make sure it's safe. And he said, are classes synchronous or asynchronous? Mm-hmm. I think that's what he said. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what is that? And he's like, well, uh, and he explained it for me, you know, are, are, are you, you know, do I have to be on class at class on time on zoom for, you know, this amount of time as a schedule or are teachers just assigning projects and then checking in with us? And I thought, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> <Is it> like, <laughs> what teachers are doing. So I assume that's some of what you're talking about. Yeah, because I'm I'm required to do four hours of synchronous, and then theoretically I'm supposed to be doing another, um, I don't know, eighty minutes of non-synchronous every day. Yes. Um, but it, it, or asynchronous, and it's it's first of all, I would rather them spend that asynchronous time working on math and English. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I have the benefit of them not having to test on my material. So there's no standardized tests that are going to be given about theater. So, so I'm more interested in making sure that they have the resources when they're in class. And then, um, you know, I've told, like I told, I told my, my tech kids, I'm like, you've got this project. I'm giving you all next week to do it because I know you have other stuff you've got to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking you to give the, the 50 minutes that you're in my class, dedicate that to working on your project and I'll be here and you'll be here. And even if you just, you know, are working on it in front of your computer, um, that's all I'm going to ask of you. And I have no way of checking that. I just, you know, I don't want, I don't want the principal to come in and, and have me have an empty classroom. <laughs> like That is, yeah. that is the only thing. And if by the end of the week you have your project done, then we are all good. Yeah. That's so nice of you. Well, it's what it's, I mean, it's survival at this point. <laughs> survival. <laughs> Um, but how are you? Have you gotten to do any geeky stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, what we're going to talk about today is, is the bulk of the geeky stuff that I did this week. I mean, I'm, I'm rewatching, re-binging Mindhunter, 
mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. because the Netflix show, just because um, I was so geeked up on true crime stuff <laughs> after what you and I talked about last episode, what I shared about what I've been watching. Right. That I, once I finished that, I was like, okay, I want to keep this true crime genre going now. And, you know, I really enjoyed binging Mindhunter the first time. And so I'm rewatching that, which is nice because it's familiar and I don't have to pay attention 100% of the time. Um, but yeah, just catching up on news. There, it, you know, it seems like, Joe, like there's a lot more news happening around these geeky properties than we're aware of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you get that impression? Well, I, I think I think as we're going to talk about today, the industry is changing so fast and so forcedly that um, a lot of it's just not being put out there, or at least not in a timely fashion that we're teaching. And I think that's why we're getting it all right now is because it's been happening and it's just now kind of coming to light. I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what really kind of throws me is, you know, I'm on social media all the time, <laughs> fairly <laughs> regularly, right? Daily, especially Twitter, you know, daily. And it's a great source for like the latest information on anything, anything that has any kind of buzz, anything that any topics that anyone's talking about, it's it's going to come up on your feed if you spend enough time there. And I do. However, when I jump onto YouTube and I watch some of these YouTube channels, like, you know, what we're going to talk about today about like, you know, the latest DC news, the latest Marvel news. One thing that really throws me is the footage that they share that I have never seen before mm-hmm. where I'm like, wait, this is still filming. How do they have all this footage already? Like, where is this, you know, Eternals footage coming from? Where is this, you know, Batman footage coming from? I mean, it must be the tabloids and it must be, you know, uh, photographers sneaking on sets and stuff. I had no idea there was this much. Th- and and some of it is, is concept art. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, it's so cool that, that people are really putting in the effort to source these things because I, it's like new shit every time, every time I watch one of these videos, I'm like, Whoa, there's a lot more footage (laughs) that I have not seen yet. And it seems like they have so much of it. Right. Well, I think a lot of it did come out of comic-con, um, which, which apparently was a mess. (laughs) we're gonna talk a little bit about that, but that, that's what we had planned on talking about today. And then you sent me a video that, I'm like, oh no, this needs to be the topic because this is this is the, this might be the end of the comic books industry. That's <laughs> kind of something we should talk about. Whoa, wait, what? I haven't even seen that video yet. I sent it to you saying, hey, we should watch this and talk about it. And then I didn't get a chance to watch it. And then you started blowing up my <laughs> my message. Yeah, and I'm like, uh oh. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm saying like like it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. All right. Well, what what geeky stuff have you been up to this week? Um, not a whole lot of stuff. I mean, I just just today, as I was telling you, I was reading um, Powers of X and House of X because it does look like that might be one of the idea threads as to how they're going to introduce the uh, X Men into the Marvel universe, uh, cinematic okay. universe. Well, no spoilers so I, because I still got to read that, and we're going to be talking about it in a future episode, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, as, whenever you are ready, you let me know because I want to talk about it so bad. Okay. Um, but it it was really good and it it really I think it proves that X-Men is often on the 
the cutting edge of politics and everything else because they predict a lot of stuff that actually ends up happening in the real world. Right. You know, you, one of the things that you and I talked about last week was is X-Men adaptable, right? How mm-hmm. how how can they update this for the MCU? And it sounds like once again, the answer can be found in the comic books themselves. Right. And it's very possible that the question of are we going to have to just repeat everything that Fox did again and just do, hope that they do it better? Uh, this is a totally different direction. This is not the X-Men that anybody w- would recognize from the 80s or 90s. It, that makes it, me so excited. Different. Yeah. No, it's, it's a story that normally I would be like, ooh, but you, you, you have that tendency to go, but this isn't the X-Men. But that's what kind of makes it amazing is that it's looking at the X-Men from a whole different direction. And... um it makes a huge difference. It, and I'm, it really I, is good. I've always been all for that, that, you know, looking ahead. Um, and I've spoken to that before about how I'm not very, um, I'm not very devoted to Canon. Right. Right. And I actually had some thoughts about that recently in, in everything that we were talking about recently, Joe, in getting ready for this episode, um, about comics gate and all that. Um, it, it just, it actually led me to think about, why maybe some some geeks are so devoted to the past and mm-hmm. why some of us like really have no affinity for for the past whatsoever doesn't make us less of a comic book fan right doesn't no. make us less geeky but i think there are other reasons for me at least why i'm not really connected to or or tied to you know what what has gone before so hopefully we'll we'll touch on that as we as we go through the episode yeah, definitely. Um, so that um, you, you brought up Comic Gate, I I feel silly saying that I didn't know it was a thing because I knew about all the like parts, <laughs> but I didn't think that there was an organization behind it, and there is, and it's disturbing to me. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. But I just wasn't. I wasn't tuned into it, and. Um, and so, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, there's like a group of people that are basically trying to wipe out diversity in comic books. Have and, been. And they feel like they kind of succeeded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally think they have. Um, and, and really what all <laughs> the reason why they're going to think that they've succeeded is because <laughs> I don't know there's going to be comic book industry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so let's, so <laughs> we're, I feel like we're jumping all over the place here. So, <laughs> um we originally were planning for this episode to be um, kind of covering like conventions and, and, you know, cover comic con this year, which is obviously unlike any comic con in the history of comic con mm-hmm. um, talk about what went wrong there and what news came out, what little news came out of it. And then we were going to look ahead to, to DC's uh, fandom event, which is happening this weekend. I believe, depending on when this episode is going to be aired, right? Um, right. Well, yeah, it'll be coming out on Wednesday, so it should be the weekend that follows yeah. this launch. Yeah. Um, and then just based off of that, we were looking for what other news. You know, obviously, there's a lot of news expected to, to be coming out of DC's event this weekend. What, you know, what's the latest Marvel news that has come out? And let's just talk about how these, you know, these properties are progressing and how they're getting their news out to fans now that cons are sort of like just different. They're just evolving because they have to because right. the pandemic. And I think dollars are also speaking right about how, about how things are going to change. Um, 
so I sent you. <laughs> so, so based <laughs> on that, you know, you you sort of you you actually sort of you know shared the thing about Comics Gate, and I was like, oh yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, I the video that I sent you about DCs. There was some news coming out of DC this week, and or last week, and I sent that to you saying, hey, maybe this is also some news we can cover. I didn't know, realize it was going to be connected to Comics Gate at all, and and you know. That whole oh, yeah. it's not it's it's completely different, but it's it's um it's the direction that Warner Brothers is taking DC and how it affects the comic industry as a whole. Got it. Okay, so do you want to jump into that before we get into fandom? If we have time for fandom, well, why don't we? If we're gonna if we're gonna do that, let's let's stop here. Let's do our our commercial break, and then I will tell you all the things that scared the shit out of me of this video <laughs> that you sent me. Okay, sounds good. All right, uh, we'll be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Comics! Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, New, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. Okay, so here's here's the deal. <laughs> um, the the video that you sent to me, Ray, is basically going over um, the all the layoffs that just happened at DC, and right. why and why they happened. And the the woman in the um, in the video, I don't know her name. Her name is Grace Randolph, and uh, credit where it's due. the The channel YouTube channel is called Beyond the Trailer. Yes, and I'll I'll link this into our our show notes and everything else. But yeah. she was basically saying that uh, comicdom, and this is why I, I think we needed to our DC fandom, um, which is the the online convention that's happening this coming weekend. Um, the reason why it's going to be weird is because every all those panels have already been recorded, and then everybody got laid off. Oh shit. So you're going to see all these people who were like happy and excited and everything else. And then you're like, but they've been fired or their friends have been fired and that doesn't seem right. Well, that's because this is a lot of, a lot of it has been pre-recorded, and yeah. all of our, all of our questions about the DC firings or layoffs um, won't be addressed because that's not what people submitted their questions. Right. Yes. I, that was a note that I made that I was going to bring up. How weird is that? So much of it is pre-recorded. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense now. Yes. So, um, a lot of this decision is based on the fact that HBO max, which is the streaming company for, 
you know, the streaming brand for Warner Brothers. Right. It's HBO and Cinemax, and it's a bunch of Warner Brothers properties. Right. Um, it only has 4.1 million subscribers, which, you know, if you don't know anything about the industry, you're like, well, that's, you know, you're talking in the millions. It's a lot. But mm-hmm. to put it in perspective, Disney Plus has 60 million subscribers. Right. And Netflix has 198 million subscribers. Wow. And people, you know, I, I subscribe to all of those. And I, I agree with most of the opinion out there that HBO Max is actually one of the better streaming services mm-hmm. uh, in terms of quality of content. Mm-hmm. It's the one that I watch the most after, I don't know, Netflix probably. Well, one of the one of the things that was brought up in this video is the fact that they've split their properties between HBO Max and the DC streaming, what a, the DC Universe, is that what yes, it's called? Yes, which people are saying is, you know, its days are numbered. Yes, because after this, um, this big layoff, um, they're restructuring, and the thought is, is that they are going to bring that into HBO Max to get more people to subscribe to HBO Max. Yeah, so that's where we are at this point. But this is what the layoffs did. So do you remember when... Um, DC changed their policy with Vertigo and they looked at Vertigo and they said, well, <sighs> why are we, why are we giving creators creative control over like, why are they re- retaining some of the rights to their characters? That doesn't make good business sense. We shouldn't do that anymore. Yeah. And so they stopped that policy at Vertigo. All the creators went over to Image, and so they just destroyed Vertigo. And they said, yes, God, shout out to Karen Berger; she's awesome. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So um, they've they've basically done that with DC. They've they've kind of fired a lot of the creative. I mean, like a lot of the executive people, and they're they're like we're we're taking over because you guys can't get your shit together. And why are we letting you mess with our intellectual properties? So Warner brothers did this to DC comic books. Yes. And and it's that, it's that kind of mindset of why are we going to let you ruin our property? Right. This is like Disney telling the editor of the X-Men books, what to publish. Right. Or what storylines to, to pursue. Right. Which I don't think they've actually done. Have they? Mm, no, but I do hear, I mean, I don't know how much this, uh, this is substantiated, but you do hear like, you know, oh, you know, Iron Man is coming out or Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out. So they cancel that book and then they relaunch it to, to make it look like it's more like the movie. Right. And, and that's problematic, but at the same time, as long as they're not creating, telling them that they have to recreate the movie, the people still have some intellectual right that's tricky stake in the direction of where it's going to go that's so tricky though right because it's like you can't kill off if you're a writer coming in to write a book like guardians you can't kill off rocket raccoon right you just can't right right because it's so important to the movies now so you they are limited in terms of what stories they and i'm sh- i mean this always been the case you know it's not like writers have ever had carte blanche it's just like you know oh do what you want that's why you have editors right, right. saying yes you can do this with these characters no you can't like that kind of thing and it, it feels like marvel is not putting the brakes on a lot of creative work on the comic book side because they realize that eventually they're going to need new stories. 
Yeah. And if those new point. stories are not being created, then they are going to run out of material and either just have to reboot what they've already done. But that's not what people love about them. So, you know, it's, I it's think just, that they're kind of keeping an idea of like, okay, well, once we've got a property kind of controlled, we don't want you to mess with it, but here's everything else that Marvel has. Go play with it and come up with stuff. And, and let's see where it goes. This is, this is so, I love this. I mean, I don't love it, but this is so fucking fascinating and ironic, mm-hmm. Joe. Let me tell you why. Because what comes to my mind hearing you say this is that, you know, the, 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 the MO at Marvel Comics is it's a sandbox and we're going to let the creators play. And mm-hmm. that's going to be kind of like our, our, testing ground like our our laboratory for cool stories and characters that we can draw from for the movies right and yet the 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 reputation of the mcu of marvel movies is that the directors don't have creative control and they have to come in and sort of you know just toe the line right that's Mm -hmm. drawn by kevin feige feige Feige, whatever um and at dc you know, the whole thing about DC movies is, oh, you know, it's director driven. We hire them for their voices and we let them do their thing. But now it sounds like what you're saying is that DC comics, <laughs> they're saying, hey, we're going to dictate to you what stories happen in the comics. Well, no, not even that. Like what's happening is that they're basically saying you're you're messing up our properties. And, and they admit in the video that DC has not had a good run. Ever since the new 52, the yeah. creative just been all over the place. The the movies haven't been great. The the you know, the only thing that they've had success is with their animation and their television. Wonder why. Yeah. And so <laughs> and so they they are basically shutting they're shutting their shit down. They're oh. getting rid of a lot of the titles. And they're basically cleaning house as far as creative. And they're, instead of what Marvel's doing is say, go play in the sandbox and let us know if you get anything. It looks like Warner Brothers is like, DC, you can't be trusted with your own shit. So we're going to tell you what to do. But Warner Brothers doesn't handle their shit in the movies anyway. Right. Right. Ah. This is this is this is exactly what we've been complaining about from from Warner Brothers and DC since they've started putting out new stuff. Like their their cinematic universe stuff because they're they're trying to force things and it, it's 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 the person who's got the control issues who ends up fucking everything up because they have to have control and they're not letting people do their jobs. I wish I had uh the eye of Agamotto, like Dr. Strange. And I could astral project into these meetings, into these rooms mm-hmm. to see how this shit goes down. Um, for instance, I speaking of, you know, the X-Men stories that we were talking about to open this episode. I wonder if, I wonder what that, how that happens. Cause you're saying I read these great stories and it seems like a perfect jumping on point for the MCU to introduce the X-Men, right? Mm-hmm. How does that happen? I, is Do they just hire Jonathan Hickman because he's a really good writer and they're like, you know, pitch us X-Men, dude. We're looking for a new direction for X-Men being that we have the rights now or we're go- do they even have the rights back yet when they hired Jonathan Hickman? And did Hickman say, here's an idea? And did Marvel say, oh, that could potentially work for the movies. Let's hire you. Or 
Is it? I I can't. It's hard for me to believe that it's happening completely, happening completely independently, Joe. No, because I think that because we even mentioned how they kind of just destroyed the X Men franchise in the comic books. Because why give our competition fun stories to work with? Like, why would we do that? And so that's how you end up with Kitty Pride on the Guardians of the Galaxy. And you have, um, like, they just spread everybody out. That's why you've got so many X-Men and the Avengers for a while. It's like, we're just going to take them. We're going to sort them into our other properties. And then what they did, what it looks like they did is, okay, it looks like we're going to get the X-Men properties back. So now let's get somebody that we trust who's got kind of a, a great vision for what to do with it and have them kind of reassemble it all into a new storyline because we've complained for years that the biggest problem with the x-men is that they 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 they're headed in a direction just when they start getting interesting they change creative teams and then everything starts over again okay so i'm i'm looking up dates here Mm -hmm. disney officially owns 21st century fox this is a npr article this is march 20th 2019 okay Mm-hmm. They had started talking the year before and they hit a snag in 2018 and it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And then in March 2019, it went through and Disney officially got their properties back. And then I searched Jonathan Hickman X-Men took over in July of 2019. Uh-huh. So look at that. They got their properties back in March March, April, May, June, July, four months later, Jonathan Hickman launches his new take on X-Men. Yeah. Holy shit. Checks out. It checks out. (laughs) Checks out. Okay. So, but I mean, these are the things that are um, like the decisions. They, They have put three women in charge of DC as the creative staff. They mean Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, which looks, you know, everybody's like, oh, cool, you know, women in in positions of power, but they're not people who have strong credentials in this industry. Hmm. So it's is this the Democratic Party or is this uh, Warner Brothers? (laughs) Just (laughs) it's just it's it's concerning, Um, not because they're women, but because they don't necessarily they're not necessarily coming with a background. Now I've done double checked the video sources on on these women, so I'm just going off of this one video but it's from a video that's a pretty good source um they're also putting an esports somebody who's been in charge of esports with warner brothers and associated properties okay as, as kind of the dc editor-in-chief okay um and and <laughs> they're they're looking at their demographics and they're looking at what's making money uh. and this is this is the scary shit, right? And this is this is the thing that should concern us. I feel they're like looking, I hear I hear where this is going, but go ahead. They're looking at what's making them money. And right now they're making ridiculous amounts of money on um graphic novels. And we've talked about it. You buy graphic novels. I don't buy graphic novels anymore. I'm the one who contributes to the other problem, which is digital. Um and I <sighs> They are. I'm trying to find the the chart that they put up. Okay, so graphic novels. They made seven hundred and sixty five million dollars on graphic novels last year, compared to three hundred and fifty five million dollars on single issue comic books. Um, 
And so what they're basically doing is they are going to phase out single issue comic books. What? For for digital. They'll still be around, but it's going to be a collector niche because uh-huh. even though digital only made them 90 million, there's no overhead to that. Right. Because it's that those properties are still going to go out as graphic novels. Right. So so basically what they're going to do is they're going to say, "All right, you can get graphic novels or you can get digital." Right. Um, then they look at where this, where this money is coming from and more of it is coming from bookstores than from comic book stores. Oh shit. So, because there's still the thought that there is a stigma about going into comic book stores. So if you're going into a comic book store, it says something about you or you're not comfortable with it because that's not the circle you run with or whatever it is. And so, but you're already at, you know, the, the one Barnes and Noble that happens to be in your hundred thousand mile radius. Yeah. Um, And so if you do that or you order it on Amazon, you're not ordering the single issues because the single issues really, there's no real easy way to get those delivered to you. Yeah. You know, I don't know that much about like how these markets work and, and how distribution, you know, really um, impacts or, or is impacted by, by popularity, it'd be interesting to find out more because I'm thinking of anime. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of when I was growing up, anime was so niche, like almost no one, you know, really, it was just hard to find this shit. Mm-hmm. I remember having to go to like Suncoast and the mall and sp- spend like 40, 50 bucks for like a VHS mm-hmm, <laughs> or mm-hmm. DVD of like some, you know, anime series and, waiting forever for the stuff to be imported from Japan. Um, and then it seemed like it kind of crossed over at a certain point where you would have like a section of anime and, and manga stuff or manga stuff at Barnes and Noble and borders. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but what you don't see is you don't, I, at least I don't, I don't know, maybe they exist. You don't see the little, you know, privately owned, you know, uh, uh, little anime stores or shops that doesn't happen when something gets really popular. Right. Not like a little mom and pop, you know, uh, a, a business owner shop. It's, you know, once it becomes more mainstream and more widely accepted by general audiences, um, you go to your it, big box store. Exactly. You go to the big box stores. Yeah. So, so then to make this matter worse, um, diamond, pu- diamond distributors, which is the, the big, yeah. like if you are a, and I know a little bit about this cause I had a friend who was working in, um, in a comic book shop, uh, they get most of their comic books through a, a business called diamond. I don't remember what the end of it is, but it's diamond publishing or diamond distribution. I think it's diamond distribution. And when COVID hit, they said, you know what? We need to take a break because, we want our people to be safe. And so we're not going to be sending out issues or at least not at the rate that we normally do. And that caused a lot of comic book stores to say, we're going to close down as well for right now, because you know, we're not supposed to be open anyway. Mm. Uh, Because let's face it, when you go into a comic book store, you spend some time, you walk around, you're, you're not just in and out like you are at the grocery store, you know, get your stuff and and leave the path purpose of going there is, you know, either you're going to go and pick up your poles or you're going to go and you're going to meander a little bit. Right. And it becomes a kind of like a hub for people who, you know, you'll sit and talk to the, 
the person behind the counter. Hey, anything good. They'll make recommendations. Like it's a social thing. Yeah. Well, diamonds, not sending out comic books, comic book stores are closed and not functioning, not putting, not functioning. And so where do we as consumers get our material? We get it from digital. Yeah. And so basically DC's like, well, they kind of just proved that we really don't need them because people are going to still buy those comics digitally if they can't get the hard copies. Right. So basically what is happening is they are saying, well, we don't need to put out single issues anymore because we can do that digitally and then compile them in graphic novels and send them to bookstores. Does the video mention if they did see a rise in digital sales once COVID hit? Um, I believe that they did, but I don't want to. I don't want to be quoted on that because I don't know for sure. Right. So they're like just seeing. They're they're trying to just read the writing on the wall and trying to guess where it's going and get ahead of it. It sounds like. Well, but I mean, but not even in a, in a. We're going to try and do this so that we're, we're being smart about it. It's kind of like, well, we don't need this. (laughs) You know, it's a little bit more cavalier than, oh, this would be. You know. What are the trends saying? It's kind of like, well, this is what the statistics say. So, you know, what? we're just gonna, like, there's no thought process. It's like A equals B and not let's yeah. think about why A equals B and is this the right decision? Yeah. It's just, I mean, sounds like we're moving towards less, you know, connection, which is like, this is, you know, this is just the comic book industry we're talking about. This has been moving this way in various industries for years now. Right. Right. And the film less community and, is what I should say. Less community. Yeah. And the film and TV creators have been looking at this for a while because they've been transitioning to digital. The music industry has been transitioning to digital. Yeah. And while there has been a digital element in the comic industry, it has not been pushed as much as it has been in music or film and television. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically they're they're taking control of the comic book characters from DC. They're they're getting they're they're greatly reducing their titles just down to I guess their core properties. They almost like the opposite of what happens with Marvel. Um th- there's also all this stuff that came out about bad practices, bad business practices at DC and unethical problems at DC and so they're just like we're shutting this shit down. Wow. Um and so it sounds like, again, where Marvel is kind of let, saying, let's let the comic books be the testing ground for the movies and television, DC is like, well, we've got movies and television, so we'll just use the comic books to reinforce that. Right, right. Well, God, I mean, what is DC doing right? Right now, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know that I don't, I don't read DC. So, you know, somebody who's a big DC fan may say, Hey, this book's really good. And that book's really good. And, but, but yeah. a lot of what I'm hearing is no, it's, it's not good material. It's not the good stuff's not coming out. Hmm. Or at least it's not connecting with, with bigger audiences. Right. Um. Yeah. So they're just, I mean, a third of DC comics editorial staff were part of, Roughly 600 layoffs at Warner Media, mm-hmm. including editors Brian Cunningham, Mark Doyle, Andy Corey, 
uh, Andy Corey, who's who's a major part of the the DC Black Label line that was uh, created a few years ago. Uh, wow, wow. So Mike, so this, what do you, what do you you feel like the the implications you know of this for in for the the future of the comics industry is that there's not going to be a comic books industry. Well, yeah, I mean, there's if if it is profitable and other I have faith in, in artists. I'm just talking about general artists. I know I'm going through this as far as a, a, a theatrical artist's point of view is, and, and we're fine having to find ways to cope with COVID and not being able to perform in theaters and how do we make this change? And so I don't think that, comic books are going to suddenly disappear. I think you're always going to have an indie population, but I think the idea of the big boom from the last several years of comic book stores and this comic book culture, I think it's going to be a huge shift because the two things that I was getting out of what this video was saying was um, it looks like at least for DC, the TV and movie and animation departments are going to be what influences and runs the comics. Right. It's not the other way around. Right. Um, and, and what happens when you're just recycling all of these stories and you're not coming up with anything new, or right. are you just relying on now your cinematic departments to create stories and then push them to comic books. If that's even the way people want to digest that material. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens when we run out of stories, if this is the new model we're working with and, and then another thing, which I find even more distressing, and this kind of is what goes back to the whole uh, comics gate connection. And they didn't actually bring it up specifically comics gate, but I think this is part of their influence is we have talked over and over and over and over again about how toxic fans can be when they are defending this property that they know, and this is their property and how dare you change my property. And, and so what they're basically saying is, is, well, what if the industry is looking at this and saying, well, if we just stop making comic books, then they're not your property anymore. And we'll stop the complaining because if the only birds of prey, medium you see is the movie, you're not going to know what it could have been or what it had been. You're just going to know that this is what it is. Right. Right. So people complaining about like, well, if you don't like this version of Captain America, there's the version of Captain America right there in your comics from, you know, whenever that you can still access. Right. And basically what DC is saying is, is like, we don't want you to deal with it. Like the toxic fandom is doing exactly what they didn't want to happen. They're making it come true because now if they don't want that version of captain America to exist, they just stop publishing those comic books. They just, they just make Steve Rogers disappear and whoever they want to be captain America, that is your captain America. Cause it's the only one that people are being introduced to. Well, it seems like um, there's an, I don't know. I feel like there's opportunity here for, you know, to give the fans what they want, the fans of the movies, what they want, you know, like for instance, you know, through now that the infinity war saga has come and gone for the MCU and they've sort of retired, you know, the cinema, this cinematic versions, uh, version of captain America and iron man, 
going forward with these movies, you're not going to see those characters, not for a right. while anyway, not, not right. in that version. But if you're a fan, like, I mean, God, so talk about crossing over. There are millions of millions of fans of those characters now. Right. And those mm-hmm. versions of those characters, they don't have to say goodbye forever to those characters just because they're not going to be in the movies anymore. They could go and buy the comic books, you know what I mean? And get more adventures of Steve Rogers and more adventures of Tony Stark, right? And of right. and of that version of the Avengers. Well, and, and when we were talking about how, you know, Marvel looks like they kind of lock down, like you're not going to kill Rocket Raccoon mm-hmm. because he's going to be in the movies. And so you don't want to do that in the comic books. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you do kill Rocket Raccoon in the movies? Now that character becomes refreed up to be recycled into the the comics again. Right. It's almost given back to the comic book fans. <laughs> right. Exactly. But but with but with the way the DC model seems to be working is they're kind of saying, look, we're tired of you telling us that this isn't, this isn't your Batman. This isn't your Superman. So what we're going to do is we're just going to stop publishing anything that is new so that we can do whatever we want with these characters. And therefore you're not getting those stories. You're getting the old stories in the way we want to tell them. Right. Right. So, I mean, they're not, they're not shuttering DC comics completely. It's just a massive downscaling. It sounds like massive downscaling and a massive takeover of creative control. Right. They did. They did. Um, completely cut DC collectibles. Mm -hmm. They also let go the vast majority of the DC universe staff. So there, I mean, DC collectibles is gone. Merchandising arm of DC, all the action figures, the statues, all the collector memorabilia, that's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy. I just want to say that out loud. That's gone. DC universe is all but gone. And, you know, those, those, a lot of the properties are, are just being uh, moved over to, to HBO Max. Um, the comic books is going to be a lot less creators, a lot less editors, a lot fewer titles. And they're going, it sounds like from what you're sharing that they're going to be creatively directed by Warner brothers. Mm -hmm. That's a very different DC universe going forward. Right. And if it was like, like if we, again, I, I know, I know that I like tout the, the wonders of Marvel and always, you know, say horrible things about DC. But if we looked at it, from the point of view of what Marvel seems to be doing, what Disney Disney Marvel seems to be doing with their properties is let's let the creators and the comic books do the experimenting and play. And let's make sure that their quality is as good as we can get it. You know, if we see that they're going, you know, if they're, if their sales are not where we want them to be, go, Hey guys, what's going on with this title? It doesn't seem to be doing very well. Um, which in and of itself is problematic because, Again, people aren't buying individual issues. And so when you release a graphic novel and people start picking it up on the graphic novel, very often it's already stopped being published because nobody was buying the individual. That's what they were judging the individual sales from. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they were doing that, at least you get this new source of material from 
a company that for the most part has been successful in saying, this is how we want the Marvel cinematic universe to be. And we're going to try and keep it consistent. And while we're going to tell the same old stories, we're going to tell them with new spins or differently so that they make sense in the modern time. Yeah. And, and they're doing a good job with it. Whether you like Marvel or not, they're being successful with what they're setting out to do. Yeah. That's not what you see with Warner brothers. They've got hits like wonder woman and Aquaman, but they've got way more misses like way more misses. And those people like they've been saying from the beginning of, well, we just want to do it our way. Forget about what it was in the comic books. They're now doubling down on that. And Ray, you know how I feel about doubling down. Um, They're basically saying, look, we're going to tell you how to do this, even though we haven't been successful ourselves. Right. It's so they're saying it, they're trying their best to put a positive spin on this. Obviously mm-hmm. uh, this piece was published yesterday with Jim Lee speaking to all of these updates, all of these happenings. Um, Jim, Jim, everyone knows who Jim Lee is, right? I don't know. <laughs> well, you might um, want to for our non-comic book people. Okay. So, I mean, superstar artists from the nineties, right? Like fucking re, I don't know which relaunched X-Men with Chris Claremont to what we all think of as the nineties X-Men, uh, founding member of image comics, created wildcats there, moved over to DC when, when he created Wildstorm studios and moved all his properties, image properties to DC and then has risen in the ranks at DC comics to, you know, drawing a huge creative voice on Superman and Batman. And then was publisher was head publisher, um, at DC for a bit, you know, basically assuming creative control. He's now the chief creative officer and publisher at DC comics. And so he's, um, there's this piece from yesterday on Gizmodo on uh, uh, io9 where he says, um, Jim Lee says 100% DC comics is still the cornerstone of everything that we do. He said about publishing comic books, the need for storytelling, updating the mythology is vital to what we do. The organization leans on us to share and establish the meaningful elements of the content that they need to use and incorporate for all of their adaptations. So he, you know, they're still beating that drum of like, no, 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 where, you know, the the comic books are where the stories come from, where the fodder and the content for the movies comes from still. Um, And of course he's, you know, he's the, chief officer so he's got to say that but um he also said um you know while sticking up for comic books and their role in a creative role in in these stories and what they do um he did clarify that the reduction in staff would mean a reduction in volume of of what's being published by dc we will be reducing the size of the slate but it's looking at everything and looking at the bottom 20 to 25% of the line that wasn't breaking even, even or was losing money. So they're trying to, you know, kind of show up and say it's more punch for the pound, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that makes me think, honestly, of the, like, the deluge of like X-Men titles in the 90s where it was like, wait, right, right, right. let's, you know, cut the fat. Let's get it down so that the, the few titles, you know, that, that stick around are more potent in their storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Um. He said uh, this article, which, by the way, uh, I'm going to say written by Julie Muncie on io9. Um, 
For anyone concerned about the degree to which mainstream comics nowadays are used as a pipeline to build franchises, this might indeed be fairly worrisome, as it sounds like that tendency is going to be heightened at DC going forward, which is what you're saying, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not only, and then Lee later in the interview said um, that they're also that the transition away from using Diamond as a distributor has been one that's been valuable for the company. Mm-hmm. Not only has the transition exceeded our initial expectations, Lee said, but the size and strength of the business is that is that same level or higher than pre-COVID. Uh, DC now uses two distributors, UCS and Lunar, in place of Diamond as step toward breaking down the monopoly Diamond has long held over the print distribution side of the comics industry. So, and he also confirmed that uh, outside of DC publishing, all the DC Universe content is moving to HBO Max. So that's definitely happening. Mm-hmm. So they're downsizing the IP farm, basically. Right. Well, but of it, they're downsizing it now. And just when, just to to give you a perspective, the video you sent me also talks about how his personal assistant they forced him to let his personal assistant go. Uh-huh. Basically, what what she is saying is a power move to basically say, just don't, just know where your food is coming from. Right. We're in charge here. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, Joe is, so we talked about some, so, you know, something that you messaged to me when you were, you know, when you watched the video, I didn't get a chance to watch. You said, it looks like all the right moves for the wrong reasons. So mm-hmm. we do, we do acknowledge that some of these moves could, could be the right moves. Right. And it's like I said, like if, if, Warner Brothers is like, we've been successful in doing X, Y, and Z. You guys are a mess. We're coming in and we're cleaning house because you obviously are not doing it on your own. But let us get this back on track because we've got a track record of making it work. Yeah. Then that's one thing. But they don't. They don't have a track. In fact, they, yeah. they, have, they have proven time and time again that every time they get involved, they screw it up. This seems to me like there's a real danger here, and I could just be, you know, jumping to conclusion just based out of out of fear. But I mean, with with the very vocal minority of fans that love what Zack Snyder brings to the table, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And and how that kind of aligns with a lot of Comics Gate, I feel like in in terms of you know their values there. I wonder if they're just getting ready to lean into that, you know, into that kind of heavy testosterone kind of, you know, um, take on, on this, on the DC universe. I will say in part of my research that I was doing for the DC fandom event that's happening this weekend, uh, it does look like after the Snyder cut of justice league that's coming out next year, there doesn't seem to be any new Snyder involvement uh, over at DC that's that's planned for the future. Maybe they're waiting to see how the Snyder Cut is received. I don't know, but there's no... A lot of people think that he's, Snyder's probably done after this at DC. Mm-hmm. Well, and then there's there's all sorts of stuff that's going wrong on in that world too because um, apparently there's all this controversy with Joss Whedon. And oh, really? Oh yeah! Apparently, there is a suggestion that he uh, who who's the gentleman who played uh, Cyborg. Oh God! Uh, I want to say his name's 
Ray, but that's just because my name's Ray, and I was <laughs> I was cyborg. <laughs> I I want a fucking mother box uh, put into my yeah. His name is Ray. It's Ray Fisher. <laughs> okay, so so Ray Fisher has suggested that there was some not so kosher treatment of actors and other people on set by Joss Whedon. And it's all very, um, it's all very kind of not saying exactly what is very kind of, uh, like, yeah, very just kind of, I'm there's something bad. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but there's something bad. And then um, it's suggested that Gail Gadot's, um was was asked to do a scene that she was very not comfortable with. And yeah, it just sounds like it was really messy. So, and, and there's been allegations about Joss Whedon and his, yep. you know, it's again, it's like what I said, you know, separating talent from the person behind it is not always easy to do. Yeah. All your idols will fail you. Not that any, I idolize any of these people, but right. Plenty of well, I, I, I love a lot of Joss Whedon's properties and I love a lot of what he does, but I also have heard more and more things that make it very hard for me to want to support him in any way, shape or form. Yeah. One thing I do think still bothers me about Snyder is that when Joss Whedon took over justice league, he was very gracious and I'm going to try and be whether he was or not. I don't know, but he said, I'm going to try and, you know, put out what, what James set out to do and just try and get something out there that would be good. And I totally understand where somebody would be like, like James Snyder would, just Zach, came with Zach vitriol. Zach I'm sorry, Zack Snyder. Um, <laughs> he he's sitting there basically saying, "Well, I won't I won't use a, a a frame of what Joss Whedon filmed, and I how you know just just vitriol, vitriol, vitriol." Hmm. And it's kind of like whether you like Joss Whedon or not, he didn't do that. You know, he didn't say bad things about your cut when he was fixing it you know, when he was working right. on it. So, you know, how, how hard is it to say, I appreciate what Joss tried to do. Unfortunately, it's not the film I wanted put out there. And so now I have a chance to see my video. Like, I don't understand how that's hard to do. Like how is being civil a hard thing to do? Wow. He's okay. So this is, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm going like, did he really say that? Like, is, is Joe just taking this? Like, you know, um, no, I have the quote right here. <laughs> Zack Snyder says he'd sooner, quote, blow the fucking thing up, mm-hmm. end quote, than use Joss Whedon footage in Justice League. Wow. All right, bro. Jeez. <laughs> it is wow. such a mess, Ray. It is wow. such this, a mess this, on every angle. This like, is an article every- on the rap. Uh, from July 25th, 2020, so last month, uh, <laughs> during the spotlight on Zack Snyder, the divisive director went on offense and had harsh words about the footage the footage Joss Whedon shot for the movie. Quote, there would be no chance on earth that I would use a shot that was made prior or after I left the movie. I'd destroy the movie. I would set it on fire before I would use a single frame that I did not photograph. 
Snyder when asked about the possibility during his Justice Con panel. That is a fucking fact. I would literally, well, he keeps going. I would literally blow that fucking thing up if I thought for a second, Snyder added. Anything you see in this movie which reminds you of the other theatrical release, which again, famously, I have not, I literally have never seen, I would be, it would be because that was a thing I had done and he borrowed for whatever that monster was that you guys saw in the theater. Holy shit. I did not. I, this is the first I read about and Why the fuck is Snyder so aggro? Jesus, dude. I mean, like, chill the fuck out. Even if you, even professionally, professionally, even if you feel like you have been completely slighted, and I can completely understand where he might feel that. Unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. And it's funny because I, I love the fact that you checked it. I am trying to be very careful about what I am saying because I haven't done. I mean, I we I watched this an hour ago. Dude, <laughs> so. These are his words from last month, from July twenty fifth. It was like three weeks ago. Holy shit, man! He fucking went off. What? He's super bitter. It seems like that's so, a bummer. So it's just this whole mess, Ray. It's this whole mess. And I'm watching this and it's just scary because I feel like once again, I, I just hope that it ends up being Marvel says, that's fine, DC, you do you. We're going to keep doing things the way we feel it's successful. And I'm not saying that changes shouldn't be made there as well, but I just hope that people don't start following suit because then I feel like we're going to lose some very important stories that are just not going to be told. I wonder what it is about the corporate environment. Cause let's, let's, I mean, you know, we cut, we give DC a lot of flack and we praise Marvel a lot just because we enjoy the stories better, Mm -hmm. but they're both corporate entities. Like they're both fucking, capitalist enterprises that are all about making as much money as possible and you know at the same time trying to to please the fans right mm-hmm. well i wonder what it is about about the one corporate entity that seems to be you know success have success after success that is just not happening at the other corporate entity because i do think you can look at our example from earlier of marvel you know in, in regards to x-men and say okay you know they kind of ran their X-Men titles into the ground, you know, whether intentionally or unintentionally when, when, when they did not have control of those, you know, movies. And then once within months of getting control again, you've seen this creative rebirth of, of the X-Men properties. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so there is some planning there. There is some maneuvering. There is some strategic, oh, yeah, you know, strategic, um, influence that is happening from the corporation over the comic books. Uh, but it's, I mean, according to your, you know, review, non-spoilery review, it's great stuff. It sounds like, and I'm mm-hmm. super excited to dive in myself and read about it and read it. Whereas with DC, you know, their books have been floundering their, their movies have been floundering. So what's going on? Like how, Man, this just seems like it's putting a ton of pressure on the on the titles at DC Comics that remain. Yeah, because it's 
It's the difference between the principal that lets their teachers teach and the principal who is so worried about data that they micromanage the teachers and the teachers can't do their job. That that's, that's how I, from my, like, if I need to kind of understand what the difference is and where it comes from, that's the difference. It's a control issue. I don't trust you enough to do your job. So I'm going to tell you exactly how I want it done. And if you don't do it, you're out of here. Yeah. Versus, you know, this part of the job better than I do. So I am going to trust you. I'm going to trust that if you have problems, you're going to come to me and I am going to check on you every once in a while to make sure everything's still, you know, that the classroom is not on fire. And if the classroom is on fire, then obviously I have to do something, but you're the professional in the classroom and I'm going to treat you as such versus I have to have control over your classroom and the person next to you and the person next to you. So, so, okay. We just kind of mentioned how this kind of puts pressure on the comic book lines. Do you think this puts any added pressure I mean, there's definitely going to be more eyes on the Disney fandom event this weekend, right? Now that now that all these layoffs have happened and they're getting ready to like present their their properties going forward. This is like their Comic-Con, right? Just like yeah, the DC fandom. Yeah. Just like Marvel has, you know, their their D23, you know, event showcase where they're moving all of their big announcements to that. DC is doing that now. Warner Brothers is doing that now with their DC stuff at DC fandom event. Um, what do you think this means for this event coming this weekend and, and, you know, what we're hoping to see (laughs) feel, I think if you are somebody who doesn't delve into this stuff, like we do, and like some of our listeners do, you're going to see a world where, um, DC is making these great revolutionary changes and all this good stuff is going to come out and we're very excited and look at how sparkly we are. And then I think you're going to like, I know you're on social media and, and some of the more um, vocal areas of Twitter mm-hmm. that are going to be saying, yeah, but this doesn't add up. And what about this? And you just said that, but that's not actually what's happening. And there's going to be a huge disconnect. And I think that's going to be very evident. I think we're going to hear a lot of stuff coming out of like a lot of fallout afterwards of people saying that, Warner Brothers is not being honest about what's going on. I will admit that as far as, you know, the 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 cinematic wing of DC, which is, you know, what I'm far more interested in these days, I have to admit I am excited about some of the things that they're doing. Some of the moves they're making, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, like it's it's not maybe not like a a complete turnaround but it seems like they're they're trying out some fun ideas in the movies um i don't know i hope this is is like a huge experiment because it's like like i said earlier normally you would think like okay you try out try shit out in the comics (laughs) you know it doesn't take millions and millions of dollars multi-millions of dollars to try stories out in the comics and see how they go over and, you know, see what you can mine from there. It seems like you're right. Like DC is doing the opposite now. Like they're they're trying these things out in these multi-million dollar tentpole films and hope that it works. And then probably the comics are going to be, are going to follow suit. If it does work, if it doesn't work, it's just, Oh my God, it's going to be a fucking massive failure. Well, and I, I I just feel like, I don't know if it's a lack of respect for what they're working with, 
But I think the things that's bothered me from the very beginning of the, the DC cinematic process is that it's almost like they're looking down upon what they're doing. You're, you know, these are stories. Anybody can tell these stories. These are easy stories to tell. Right. And right. I'm not trying to hold on. Cause I, I think one of the things about Marvel that I love is I know all those stories, but I'm still going to go to the movie because you're not going to tell the story the way I know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like half the things we talk about is, okay, how are they going to make this story work in the universe that they've created? Because they're not the same thing. And, and they pay, they, they will pay homage to the source material without making it holy and untouchable. And I feel like DC's the other way around that anybody can tell these stories. These stories are just, this is just another script that has come across my desk and I probably know how to tell it better. Right. There's a lack of respect. There's a lack of respect. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. There's a lack of respect because I mean, it's, it sounds like from the stuff that, that people are anticipating for this fandom event this weekend, it does sound like they're pull, they're still pulling from the comics. You know, they're still pulling from popular stories um, they are making changes, which you can't really knock them for because Marvel does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, you know, what they, they just have yet to stick the landing, right? Mm-hmm. They have yet to really, and maybe it is an issue of respect. I mean, I'm excited for this new Batman movie coming out. I'm excited to see what they share in the panel because it sounds like it is pre-recorded, first of all, but it, it does sound like we're going to get a ton of new footage this weekend. We're going to get to see everyone in full costume. Right, the the mm-hmm. penguin, Batman, Catwoman. Um, it's it's apparently they're drawing a lot from the Long Halloween story, which I love. Um, I can't wait to see Zoe Kravitz as as Catwoman as Selena Kyle. I yeah. I love the, the look that they're drawing from, which is kind of Long Halloween influence, but also just like the Catwoman like solo series with the goggles, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been a lot of fan art that they were showing in the video you sent me that like, yeah. it, she looks good. Yeah. And we're not, and we're not close to getting a trailer. I don't think, um, Mm-mm. but I'm excited because it sounds, I mean, I just like the potential, but don't we always, <laughs> Joe, mm-hmm. don't we always like the potential? Of these? We like the potential, but I mean, the, the, the other thing about it all is at what point I feel like, what they've been doing, and I'm afraid what this weekend is going to be about is going to be like, we, we did stick the landing, but you really didn't. No, no, we, we stuck the landing. And then when they go backstage, it's like, we didn't stick the landing. Yeah, but they don't know that we didn't stick the landing. Ugh. <laughs> you are so broken. By- I, when, when it comes, honestly, when it comes to, I, I would be, <laughs> this is, this tells you something, right? I'm not even that big of a DC fan. <laughs> Can you imagine if this was a Marvel, if this was Marvel, I would be throwing fits. But to me, it's like, I see you're a creative person. I'm a creative person. I would never tell you how to do your art. But if I was using your art in my show, I would want to work with you to understand how you were doing your art. And just like, and I, I would assume that the opposite would be true. That right. you would do the same. You would you would offer me the same creative respect, and I don't see that coming out of Warner Brothers with DC. I just yeah. Don't well, see I think of Kevin Feige, Feige, and I think about how he's a hardcore comic book nerd at heart, mm-hmm. and he's the person in power at Marvel who has total love and respect for the stories. 
Mm-hmm. So when he's adapting these stories for the movies, you, even though they're not exactly the same, you feel the love, you feel the respect that he has for these characters and their stories. Right. And I feel like D- Warner Brothers has tried to find that person and they haven't yet. I think it, they thought it was going to be Jeff Johns. I know a lot of fans were ecstatic at the news that Jeff Johns had been, you know, kind of g- given that role. And it just, it, it's still not working. So Because I think, I don't think, I think he's been given that role, but he hasn't been given the leeway that Feige mm. has. Because he's the one who started with, he was the showrunner for all the Flash stuff, right? Yeah. Wasn't that where he started with, with um, DC? It was in the, the television well, series? Well, af- I mean, he's a writer. He's a comic book writer. So he, right, he, but, it, but that's how he got into the whole, isn't yeah. that yeah, I think where they was, pulled him from? Yeah, I think so. I think he was involved in those, in those stories. Because I think he was given, I, I think they were like, well, we don't care about television. It's television. Not realizing that now television is almost more popular art form than film because the film, you know, because of Netflix, we can get these huge, long drawn out stories that are amazing that you just, just not a, <laughs> that medium in, in film. Although Marvel is making it a medium in that film. Yeah. He, um, wow. Trip out on this man. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know this. I knew he was involved. This guy um, started writing comic books in nine in two thousand, I think. Uh, Nineteen ninety seven. He he is where he first got involved with DC Comics. Um, he goes way back, and I mean, he worked his way up. You know, he was he was mm-hmm. given a lot of the, the kind of control of the reins by the you know two thousand ten. Uh, he served as president and COO of DC Entertainment from 2010 to, it looks like, 2018. So he ran the show at DC from 2010 to 2018. So I don't know if we could say he wasn't given the full power. It just, I, I honestly, my take was that he just wasn't the right dude. But if he's the one who was running, because the the story I heard was, I thought he was running the Flash, and corporate was like, you can't have Batman, you can't have Superman, you can't have any of these other properties, and that's why Arrow was Arrow because Arrow. That's why they went the direction they did with Arrow because basically Arrow was Batman, right? And and so once they said, all right. The, the movies are not going the way we want to go. You can do whatever you want with these characters. He started yeah. bringing them all into the TV series. Yes. But I think anytime he tried to do that with the films, they went, well, stay in your lane. Well, he served as co-producer and creative consultant for Green Lantern. Ooh. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. I, like, I am he... stepping away from the table. <laughs> I'm just going off what I heard. I did not hear that. You have it right. You have it right. You know, he 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 got involved with uh, Smallville because his studio mate Jeff Loeb was writer producer. Okay, um, he co-wrote the story for Justice League Unlimited episode, the animated episode Ancient History in two thousand six. Uh, he worked with David S. Goyer uh, on the 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 Blade sh- uh, pilot for Spike TV in two thousand six. In two thousand twelve, he joined the CW's Green joined the CW's Green Arrow. Uh, origin series arrow as a writer um he contributed to the first season episode news of fire uh which introduced the huntress uh 2013 
Uh, he and Arrow co-creators Kreisberg and Berlanti would be introducing Barry Allen in the second season of the show. So you got that right. In 2014, The Flash was picked up to series. John serves as co-developer and executive producer. Uh, so now we're getting closer to well, this. This is 2014. In 2011, he consulted for Green Lantern, for directed by Martin Campbell and starring Ryan Reynolds. So I think if Green Lantern had been a hit, because that you know Feige, Feige didn't just step into ultimate power. Mm-mm. He consult. He actually contributed to a lot of the success of Brian Singer's first X Men movie. Mm-hmm. He he's one of the, he's the person who insisted that they get Wolverine's hair right. <laughs> little things like that. You know what I mean, little things like that where they kept going, no, this looks wrong. And Kevin Feige kept going, no, push it. No, higher. No, pointier. More, more. And they really were like, are you sure? I mean, little things like that. I'm not saying that's what made that movie good, but you know what I mean? Like, but you have to have, okay, you have to have respect for that. That's yes, like, if you're going to, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it right. God damn it. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, in the midst of, Working on on the animated television series, you know, he consults on the Green Lantern movie. Then he goes back to the TV and works on, you know, Arrow. He were after Green Lantern. He joined Arrow and then he helped develop uh, the Flash. And then in 2015, uh, he worked on Static as a collaborator. He's worked on Supergirl. So he's, you know, it seems like he's been, you know, more successful with the TV stuff. Um he was an executive producer on Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. See, I he, just wonder. I wonder if <laughs> if, if Feige is sitting there going, "Make it higher, make it higher, make the hair higher," and people are like, "Going, all right, well, he seems to know what he's talking about, so we're going to go with it." If that's the difference, then if. You know, was he in a situation where he's like, yeah, you need to take the hair higher. And they're like, that's stupid. We're not doing that. Why would we do that? And, you know, is that the kind of situation he's in? Because when you see the stuff that he's allowed to do on the TV series, I don't always agree. It, it is very, the series is very CW. I, I stopped watching it. I fell behind, but it's like 90% of this would, would not be an issue if people just didn't keep secrets from one another. Like yeah. that's the that's the that's the primary problem I have with those series is it very CW. Let me let me wrap this up with this paragraph from his Wikipedia page, okay? Mm-hmm. Johns was an executive producer on the 2016 film Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice. Following negative critical reception to the film, Jeff Johns and John Berg were named to jointly run the DC Extended Universe and a newly established Warner Brothers division, DC Films, in May 2016. Mm-hmm. They served as producers on the 2007... So that's it. He was given the keys. He was one of the two people run the show. No one's going to tell him, no, that sounds weird. He's running the show at this point. They served... Johns and Berg served as producers on the 2017 film Justice League. Johns also co-wrote the story for Aquaman with James Wan. Mm-hmm. co-wrote the story for Green Lantern Corps with David S. Goyer, and I don't think it's it's been made, mm-hmm. and co-wrote Wonder Woman 1984 with Patty, Patty Jenkins and David Callahan. So there and you go. So, so he's, he's on these. He's doing it. In January 2018, after Justice League underperformed at the box office, John Berg was replaced by Walter Hamada as head of DC Films with Jeff Johns still working closely with Hamada on future productions. So he survived. He's still there. Mm-hmm. He's 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 one of the two heads of the of DC Films 
that has been working on these films since 2016, all through the Snyder stuff that we've seen, all through everything we've seen. And when it's as it's consistently underperformed, the other dude got chopped. He's still there and he's working with the, the new co-head as well. Right. But if you look at the timeline, I'm guessing that that Justice League was already in production. And Aquaman and Wonder Woman did well. They did. Are they but sticking the landing though? Well, no. Okay. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying is, you know, Kevin Kevin Feige stuck landings. Oh, <laughs> many, yeah, many landings were stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't just step in. Kevin Feige doesn't just step into the role that he has now, the trust that he has now. Right. You got to fucking, you know, you got to perform. I, I agree with you on the eye of a Agmato thing. We need to, we need to see what's going on here because I, there's gotta be so much more behind the scenes that we're just not even privy to. Yes, dude. I want to, I want to astro project into these fucking meetings. So, <laughs> so, so I mean, going forward, you know, these are the people in charge. Hamada, Walter Hamada is the head of DC films. Um, he comes, he comes from new line cinema and, um, producing films such as the conjuring Annabelle, the conjuring Two, lights out and it. So he's a, he's got a horror background, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're thinking a lot of those are James Wan movies. James Wan did Aquaman. Aquaman was, you know, received well. I, I actually really like Aquaman. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of trace the, the steps that Warner brothers is taking and trying to figure this shit out. Right. Yeah. And so Hamada's the man at DC Films. Jeff Johns is still working closely with Hamada on these future productions. And this this Saturday from DC Fandom, we're getting the Batman panel. We're getting the Snyder Cut panel. We're getting the Flashpoint panel. We're getting the Wonder Woman 1984 panel. We're getting the Suicide, Suicide Squad panel. And get this, Joe, Saturday night in the headlining slot, a secret DC movie panel. They have not announced what this secret movie is, and it's in the headlining slot Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that they <laughs> they think that it's going to be um, Green Lantern, an HBO series, maybe. Yeah, Green Lantern on HBO Max. Yeah, or it could be Man of Steel two, and Henry Cavill's coming back because he has been expressing interest in that. That's a whole nother, like Henry Cavill and Superman is a whole nother thing. It's just, or it could be The Rock as Black Adam. See, these all sound like wonderful ideas. And the execution <laughs> is just shit. <laughs> like, I would be fine with The Rock as Black Adam. <laughs> I will have done my job this podcast if I can get you a little bit excited about DC going forward by the end of this episode. I, I don't think I, I, they would have to be, they would have to do some pretty big, they would have to, they would have to, the landing wouldn't just have to stick. It would have to be like astronomically remarkable. Okay. Well then let's be like, okay, let's bring, we're at, we're at just over an hour. Let's bring this episode home with this. Then the, the, we're, we're definitely, I'm definitely going to want to talk with you after this Saturday about what we actually see out of DC fandom. Right. Yes. yes. We're definitely going to talk about this and cover this further. So let me just give you the, the, what are some of the rumors or what are some of the things that people are anticipating? Okay. To kind of, See if I can get you a little bit excited about these <laughs> ideas. Um, I already talked about, you know, the long Halloween influence on the next Batman movie. 
Um, we're probably not going to be see, see a trailer for this next Batman film until possibly in the spring when we get the Snyder cut. So, the, so maybe they're thinking, uh, you know, Robert Pattinson Batman trailer ahead of the Snyder cut that's coming in spring. Um, and that Snyder cut, which is going to be like a four plus four hour plus story, they still haven't decided if they're going to give it, make it one huge long story, if they're going to break it up into like out four hour long segments. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're still deciding that. Um, and there's going to be uh, this Saturday, um, we're going to get to see Dark Side. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to see his original design for Steppenwolf. We're going to get to see Henry Cavill in the black, in the Superman black suit that that was originally supposed to be in Justice League. So he's got a whole section of the movie where he wears that suit. Green Lantern is supposed to be in this movie. Um, so there's a lot of this stuff. And then connected to that and connected to um, the the little snippet that we got in Justice League with with uh Barry Allen traveling backwards in time to warn Bruce Wayne about what's coming. That's going to lead us into the flashpoint panel this Saturday. This is the big news that I'm fucking excited about because oh, I know what you, I know what you're going to say. Ben Affleck has <laughs> moved on as Batman. So they're going, you know, if Batman plays some kind of future older Batman plays a huge role in flashpoint. They've announced that Michael Keaton is coming back. Mm-hmm. To play an older version of Batman in Flashpoint, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That's that that pretty, I will give you is pretty awesome. That's pretty fucking awesome. Where where Barry Allen thinks that he's traveling into the future to speak to Ben Affleck Batman, and instead he's surprised to meet Michael Keaton Batman. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. That's a pretty great version of flashpoint that I want to see. And, and so that means that, you know, in the original flashpoint story from the comic books, you have Thomas Wayne who, you know, who, who assumed the role of Batman and that's not happening here, but that's okay. We're not getting that version, but we are getting Michael Keaton, you know, his future version of the 1989 Batman. Um, And that's going to be setting up a future live action Batman beyond movie where Keaton again is going to be playing old uh, old man Bruce Wayne. That's brilliant. That's fucking brilliant, man. Mm-hmm. That's, and Cyborg is supposedly going to be playing a larger role in Flashpoint because he's going to have a larger role in the Snyder Cut, which is going to lead to more important larger role in Flash in Flashpoint. They're thinking that Cyborg is is his technology is what's going to allow Flash to travel time, um, and we're going to see a new Flash. So that's all. That's pretty awesome ideas i think that i would want to see as a fan play out we've just been hurt so many times right i know man we've been hurt so many times <laughs> I and know. we keep going back and you know what they say about going back after you've been hurt that many times i know but we're gonna get we're probably gonna get a big cheetah reveal around wonder woman 1984 they've been holding back on what cheetah's gonna look like but we're supposed to get that um you know, they're wondering about how they're going to release Wonder Woman 1984 because, you know, people aren't back in movies yet. Are they going to release it streaming? You know, if, if, if Disney or they're, they're waiting to see how other services have success with that. And, and if they see that it can be successful, then they might we might get it streaming on HBO Max, that kind of release. Um, there's a Suicide Squad panel, which, you know, I'm, I'm all in on anything that James Gunn does 
So I'm excited to see how, you know, his take of this. Uh, and then The Secret. I wonder what The Secret movie is going to be. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. We will have to, we will have to touch back on this next week. Okay, good. I'm just hopeful. I'm glad we can end on kind of a hopeful note. <laughs> Cause I just got myself all hyped up for this stuff. <laughs> so all right. Well, there you go. Yeah, next week we're going to, we're going to talk about what's actually revealed at the DC fandom event. Uh, mm-hmm. And if we got time, we're going to talk about a bunch of other news, but if not, we'll push that forward to the following week because we got a bunch of X-Men news coming out of Marvel. Yeah, uh, that I'm very excited about. Yeah, so that's something we definitely have to. I want to geek out with you at some point about that. Excellent. Awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Any uh, any shout outs? Um, I want to give a shout out to Rosie, who's uh, I think a new fan of our podcast, at least a fan of listening to me ramble. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate that. She let me know that that she she can she doesn't mind me kind of geeking out and going off and and she likes hearing how how uh how hyped we get (laughs) she's like oh i that's on the other side of you i didn't didn't know it's like yeah i think when people see me and joe around each other they're like oh (laughs) okay yeah we're we're a little intense (laughs) completely completely understand that we're a little intense yeah so shout out to my new friend rosie thanks for listening yeah thanks rosie um (laughs) Awesome. All right. Uh, all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geek2Toot is a proud member of the Geek2Geek network. Check out other Geek2Geek shows such as the Geek2Geek podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, Dragon Quest FM. Uh, we've got a Disney one. We've got K-pop. We've got lots of stuff. And sometimes Rob. Uh, also check out Keep it together, our Keep it together. Captain J and Troidal Power and uh, make sure you join our Reddit community at r forward slash geek to geek cast or join us in Slack or Discord where you can chat with us in real time. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Rays. Ray, can, where can we find you? I love that sometimes we give like little post-credit stingers in this part of the part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like, oh, do people listen to this? Or do they just like, you know, shut it off after we, we, start, we go into our, our credits? But sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes we announce contests that never come to fruition. We announce other, <laughs> uh, we go in, on rants at the last minute. Um, if you don't want to wait till the next episode to, to join me on some of these rants, uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Ray Vargas three. Uh, that's my username, Ray Vargas. And then the number three. And if you want to see some of my artwork, you can go to Ray Vargas com. Awesome. This is very exciting. Like this has been this has been a fun couple of weeks, and now both of us need to go read uh, Powers of X and House of X, and you guys should read it too, so that you're you're like primed. I don't think it's the next episode, but probably the episode after that will at least have hopefully those two series done. Great! Yay! All right, so that's it for this week, and remember, this coming week, remember keep it geek. <laughs> <laughs>